under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. And now, ladies and gentlemen, on this Friday, the eve before uh, an entertainment blowout extravaganza, we need to focus on serious things. And as I look on the television screen here in the studio, Fox News is talking about the Biden 2020 strategy. So, you know, I think it's time to be fair here. And uh, let's listen to some words of wisdom from Joe Biden all the way back 11 years ago, hey, maybe even 12 years ago, in the 08 presidential campaign. Take it away, Joe. I spent last summer going through the black sections of my town holding rallies in parks, Mm -hmm. trying to get black men to understand it's not unmanly to wear a condom, getting women to understand they can say no, getting people in the position where testing matters. I got tested for AIDS. I know Barack got tested for AIDS. There's no shame in being tested for AIDS. It's an important thing because the fact of the matter is in the community, in the communities engaged in denial. Wait for the Al Sharpton Engaged in denial. No one wants to talk about it in the community, and we do not have enough leaders in the community and outside the community demanding we face the reality, confront the men in the community, as well as the women, letting them know there are alternatives. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And that's my favorite Joe Biden clip. There's so many things wrong with it, but the the cherry on top is the evil eye Al Sharpton gives him at the end. Like Al Sharpton, it's still fat Al Sharpton before he whatever he did for weight loss. I, I was about to say he lost what two people. Yeah, Al Sharpton lost a lot of weight. Yeah. Welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour, folks. Tonight we have Brandon God's gift for us. Hello, hello, hello. And we have Mr. Seth Spotlow. How are you doing, Seth Bear? Seth Bear, I got a question. Is Biden going to be the one that they say is going to come out? Come out? That I heard this morning that somebody was coming out. Like one of the candidates. Like, like yeah, coming out the, the closet. closet. Like they're gay or yeah. something? I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. It'd be, I mean, that, that would explain the hair sniffing. Would it? Because yeah. he, he only seems to be hair sniffing women and little girls. Well, that's because men's hair don't smell good. Well, I can attest well, to that. Man, yeah, I bet your hair smells like feet, and you, I mean, it's like well, I, I use product. Yeah. I mean, per, it's, per it's plus. probably I mean, doesn't use, smell great. But yeah. I use argan oil. But you know women, their hair is always like, whoo. Well, yeah, all, all their stuff is herbal essences and, you know, mm-hmm. smelling like cherries and almonds. No, I don't think Joe Biden's going to come out as gay. If it, If he did, that would be it. No, I think you know, it would probably help him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it definitely helped Harvey Milk. Well, it's helping uh, Mr. Buttigieg. Yeah, that's true. Gay Mayor Pete. Hey, I, I was about to say, so what are the chances do you think he have in this 2020 election? Buttigieg? No. no or no, Joe Biden. Biden. Joe Biden. I think Biden has some issues. And it's Major not in, that Biden is just, I mean, he's great. Like, he says so many things. That, I promise you. 
The president has a big stick. Yes, uh, we know. <laughs> He's trying to quote the Teddy Roosevelt line, but sometimes he says stuff, man, where it's just... What's the line originally? No, it speaks softly and carry a big... We remember oh. what Teddy Roosevelt said, speak softly and carry a big stick, and... I promise you, the president has a big stick. That was the actual <laughs> line. <laughs> and, you know, stereotypes and jokes being what they are. Oh. Yeah, it just, yeah, yeah, this is not the 30s. You can't get away with that. Uh, oh, but hey, then, you gotta have a big stick. No, but this is part of Biden's problem. I mean, I play this as a joke. The I got tested for AIDS, Barack got tested for AIDS. But you saw the look Barack Obama gave him. Like. Oh, and it's the way sometimes Biden just... He gets riled up. He gets going. And whether it's weird insensitivities or... But, but, but you know what? He reminds me of a younger Bernie Sanders. Because when, Bernie Bernie? <laughs> when, when Bernie Sanders gets going, he... Oh, I marched with this person. I was I was there with this person. I went to the ACB office and he just... He goes off on this tangent. Which one's older? I think Bernie's actually old. Bernie, yeah. Slightly. No, Slightly. They're, they're both like Pretty close. 78, 79, Somewhere 77. They'd never but, make it But he's, he Somebody. seems slightly younger because he stands up straight. You know, right, still. though. You know how Trump gives people a nickname? Like, yeah. he did that in the cam. He gave lying Ted Cruz. He holds the Bible high and then he lies. <laughs> We'd say what you will about Donald Trump. But these nicknames stick. Crooked Hillary sticks perfectly. Uh, we, little Marco Rubio. Little Marco. Well, wait, wait a uh-huh. what, what did he uh, call Kim Jong? Kim Jong. Rocket Man. Uh, rocket Man. Little, <laughs> little Rocket Man. Yeah, it's not just in a tweet. He said, in front of the United Nations, <laughs> Little Rocket Man will never possess nuclear weapons. And it makes me think He's of- a fat, short, little rocket man. And it worked. No, no, no. It and made me know- think of that 90s movie, Rocket Man. You what? remember where the guy had the thing? Yeah. Oh. Wait, wait a minute. You know what it made me think of? Soon as he said that line, just just bring up Elton John in the background. <laughs> Rocket Man. And his old jetpack, he flies off. So, and I mean, I'm trying to think of other nicknames uh, Trump gave people. I mean, with Rand Paul, he didn't even give him a nickname. He's like, he said, he, you know, I make fun of people and make fun of their appearance. I never made fun of his appearance, though. There's a lot there. <laughs> like, in a debate, he just but, but you know slays. What? And, but here's the nickname. Okay. He's given Joe Biden the nickname. He could have gone with Creepy Joe. Could have gone with Hair Sniffer Joe. Which I think could have worked. But if he he went with Sleepy Joe. Sleepy. And oh. and so Joe Biden had to respond to that today. And Biden's like, I I've never been called Sleepy. But the way he's as he's describing it, as he's trying to go, why would he call me that? Kinda comes across as sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I go back to uh when he hugged that kid on stage and you know, Joe Biden, I guess he was making fun of the fact that he was accused of something, but he was up there like, oh, uh, Tommy told me told me I could hug him. And, you know, everybody right. kind of had that oh, laughing moment. That's... And then you had those parents up front that was like, oh, yeah, that's did what he just ga- say that? Yeah, that's what came out from the... Uh, me Too? The thing? Me Too moment. Biden was really being attacked from the left. I'm trying to think of the woman's name. Flores was her last name. She was running for either AG or lieutenant governor of the state of Nevada. And she said before she went out to give a campaign speech, Biden was there supporting her. And he apparently, like, you know, did the shoulder rub and sniffed the hair and then said other things to her that that were, like, meant to be kind of like grandfatherly encouragement. But we all know, like, sometimes it could go, stop pinching my cheeks, all right? 
what is, what was acceptable in 1960 is not acceptable now. Well, but this is in you, the 60s. You know what? You know I know. What? This, I mean, this, it was acceptable then, thing. not now. This is my thing. Between the Made for Lifetime movies and the Me Too movie, you, you basically have to just walk into a room now with your hands up like... Okay, we are going to fill out these papers together. So essentially, correct? you have to be Mike Pence. Basically. I don't go into a room unless my wife is it, with another woman you know unless what? my That's, wife is present. Yeah. You know what? You just people, smart. People laughed at him. Right. But that is the smartest thing. Get you a girlfriend. Get you a wife. Guess what? We don't do not cheat on her. Witnesses. Well, that too. We always <laughs> need witnesses. Exactly. If I go in a room with a nurse or anything, hey, honey, come on, come on. No, you're coming with me. <laughs> I need you, you, you to gonna, be here. Exactly. You're going to watch all this. It's not you. It's everybody. Man. Yeah, it's just, I. you ask, though, his chances. Uh, he's leading the polls right now, but that's like a nationwide sort of poll. If you look at how Which is not hard to do against this current president. I, well, I mean. he is not well liked. I mean, compared to uh, the other Democratic candidates, he's leading the pack. And by, there's one poll that came out that, you know, Biden's up by eight points against Trump. Uh, but I remember 2016. If I had been betting in 2016, I would have said Hillary Clinton. Based on all the polls, based on all the data, from all sorts of different sources. And Trump, well, well, Trump well, won. Well, what you, what you have to realize, this country goes in waves. Yes. We get eight years of crazy and, and Republican. And then we get we get four years, maybe eight, of a Democrat. Well, and here's how I view it. I presume, and I'm not talking about local politicians. I mean, they can be good or bad, but local politics is kind of, it's frustrating, but it's also like you can talk to the guy. He's kind of your neighbor. Well, it's, it's, you a, know. Lot of, it's a lot of red tape. Right. Oh, yeah. Politics. That's government in general. But, you know, at least like the guy in local politics, like the mayor or something, he may, you know, I'm not know him like personally but you could go talk to him of course whereas in national politics the more removed you get from where you're actually from and they're always just on television i assume that politicians just because it's the name of the game and what you have to do in order to win power are corrupt a-holes and here's how i, I view it right now i don't like it when somebody who i assume is a corrupt a-hole is being holier than thou and preaching to me the ideals of the nation when some and if somebody's just kind of openly a corrupt a hole, I'm like, all right. Well, well, well you you know okay, what? Okay, how about what that lady said? It, uh, comes on Barron's show and was arguing about um, uh, Muslims shouldn't be here or anything, mm-hmm. some crap like that. You know? Oh, you're but talking she, about the lovely April, yeah. Yeah, man. She, oh, dude, she she tries so hard. <laughs> well, that, wait, I can't. I wasn't there to listen to the argument. Um, she so said, "What she say it. that they're like." Uh, uh, it's like being a rock star, but it doesn't matter how you look or like an old rock star mm-hmm. is what they, I mean, they're treated like. Ooh, Cat Stevens is pretty famous. I mean, who, uh, who's Muhammad Ali? Pretty famous. Well, yeah. I'm talking about your congressmen and stuff like that. You say when you get higher up in it, yeah. you know, they, they become like rock stars. No, in a way they do. And That's what she said. I, I mean, I well, and saying. I agree with that in the sense I don't like the sort of cult of personality around politicians. I, I just don't. And, Fame, uh, and I, I don't like it either way. I don't like Republicans. I don't like Democrats. I mean, well, if you, it depends on the person, so to speak. Like, if you really pushed me, the closest I am to, say, a current member of the Senate is somebody like Rand Paul. But I even disagree with Rand Paul on a lot of stuff. Well, well because the person is not a mirror image of you. Oh, of course. So, so yeah. you're never going to completely line up with anyone's politics. Of course. You know, which is what I've always said, but... 
I don't know. I just I don't like the complacency. Like when you have this this one politician who just follows the mob. Oh, you know, if everybody else votes this way, I'm going to vote that way. But that's the name of the game, man. Exactly. So you kind of, once you get so high up, it's like the higher up you get, the more of yourself you have to sell to get there. But here's the problem for Joe Biden. Right now, he's leading in the polls. He could but, be dead tomorrow. But he could easily, well, there, there's that, too. <laughs> that, is, that is so wrong. <laughs> there is that. Wait a minute, didn't, sorry, they, didn't I... they say that about, what's the name, too? Uh... Ruth Bader Ginsburg? Ginsburg and uh, who was running with she's Sarah, not Sarah die. She was like a female uh, glass. John McCain. John McCain. Right. They said that about John McCain. And he like, did. Right. Well, well, after. After, <laughs> after the after. fact. Oh. Log after. Oh, okay. right. Yeah. Sorry. Fight with me, my friend. Keep America strong. <laughs> yeah, and and just, then he will walk away with his walker. I, I, I step back and I don't think Biden, though, can handle because you have to go each primary state. It starts in Iowa, then New Hampshire, then California. And Bernie has, I think, the strongest like built-in support network. Work of the Democrats currently running, which yeah, I don't because, because Bernie has seen everything. He knows everybody. He's almost a hundred. Well, and he almost like defined the party in a way. Then there also are say what you will. Russia did this. Would Russia you did that. Vote for Larry David. What? No, I wouldn't I mean, vote. Funny. I would be friends with Larry David. I wouldn't <laughs> vote for him. It sure does look like him. It takes a lot for me to vote for a national level politician. Mm. But, I will vote but, for but mayor. You know I, I I do not like people who get their office because of either re- name recognition or living off something that your family did. But that's the name of the yeah, game, man. Yeah, man, that's how it is, that man. Is, it's a pop. At the end of the day, democracy. Popularity, popularity game. Democracy is a popularity contest. Yeah. So basically, we're living in the U.S. United of States them. of high school. Yeah. No, I was <laughs> saying yeah, this. exactly. I was saying let's, this let's, junior high. Yeah, yeah. Let's put the jock up there. Let's put the actor up there. I like right. our last few presidents. Well, besides Barack and well, no, George W. fits in there too. Because he lived off what his dad right. Uh, bought, well, bought and, for. No, and that's the amazing thing. You can see how there were kings throughout history. Like, the Bush name carried weight, so W has more kind of push. People thought that would happen with Jeb Bush until Trump came along and goes, low-energy Jeb. <laughs> You're trying tonight, Jeb. I like that. I like that. And I mentioned this last night. Do you remember when they went through, and they'll throw these stupid questions at the candidates during the debates? Be like, what would be your Secret Service code name? Because, for instance, uh, Reagan's was Rawhide. Rawhide's on the move. Rawhide's in the Oval. Whatever. Um, so what would be your Secret Service name if you could choose? And I think Carly Fiorina very badly said Secretariat. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Have you looked at Too in- soon. No. I, <laughs> no, no. No, but they went to Trump. <laughs> uh, Mr. Trump, what would be your sur- Secret Service name? Humble. <laughs> <laughs> you got to say the man's got a sense of humor. And I don't know. That matters. And actually, to a degree, I think Biden does have a good sense of humor, too. He has bad timing. Like, as, yeah. as a president, you have to have that comedic yes. talking timing. Like, right. knowing when to say what you're going to say. And then you have to run it through about 20 filters, especially if it's something that's not scripted for you to say. Right. So, I, I don't know. I think but Biden it, does have a chance, though. It is a popularity contest. I don't. I got into this a little bit last night, but, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way. There's a famous quote 
Uh, now, I'll, it's another writer, and I won't even say the name. I'm just going to let the words speak for themselves. The most profoundly revolutionary achievement of the United States of America was the subordination of society to moral law. The principle of man's individual rights represented the extension of morality into the social system as a limitation on the power of the state as man's protection against the brute force of the collective as the subordination of might to right. And obviously we've gone through this. It wasn't perfectly fulfilled at the beginning, but you know wars were fought to fulfill it even more. Franchises and the extension of protecting rights, protecting freedoms has grown. That's a good thing. But another thing that's happened as our history has unfolded is I think people have stopped looking at the individual freedoms like found in the Bill of Rights and extending those rights further and further to you hear this idea that I would ask people, what's your most important right as found, say, in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights? A lot of people would say your right to vote. And you hear a lot of this stuff like voting is your voice. I think that's utter nonsense. No, actually, the First Amendment guarantees your voice. Um, you know, the First Amendment speech. allows you to speak freely. Yeah, that is a lot more man. than voting does. But I put it this way: two centuries, if not more, of democratic competition and reform, in some ways, have nearly shattered this noble notion that the collective, the group, is restrained by individual rights. And the few restraints that still hold true are being threatened each successive election cycle. The great flaw in the American system is this. In rightfully constraining the power of the government, the will of the people has broken loose from any notion of restraint. Much like kings and emperors of old, the people have come to see themselves as the sovereign. I mean, that's the whole idea, I suppose. Possessing an authority above not only their constitution, but the presumption of their fellow man's liberty. Each voter may vote as he or she pleases for any reason, for health, for safety, for religion, for happiness, for efficiency, for equality, for jobs, for war, for a candidate's speaking style, for a candidate's hometown, for a candidate's physical attractiveness, for a candidate's race, for a candidate's gender, so on and so forth. Take your pick. All concerns are worthy altars mm. on which to sacrifice human liberty. My point is this, is that you can be an incredibly informed voter, or you could be like, I'm going to vote because it's the Bernie Sanders reminds me of my cat when he's had too much catnip. And both of those votes count the same. Uh, and in a way, you know, I'm not completely against this idea. I mean, it's an ancient idea of liberty. It's what the Greeks kind of did. Well, well, no, because our system now, to me, is closer to what Rome did. Because yes. you would get all these people to vote. And basically, it came down to the 16th Senate. Senate people that was there were more like Rome than Athens. Absolutely. Exactly, because they would just be like, okay, who do y'all 16 like? Right. And they would have their own little private vote, and well, this is the way the citizens vote. Well, and I think they chose, the founders chose, they chose a lot of different points in history as sort of the model. Um, but they chose Rome more as a model than, say, Greece. Because if you do just have democracy, there's no limit on what the majority can vote for. Exactly. Then you have, their number one, very volatile democracies are. They can, the funny thing, you know, for instance, Hitler was elected chancellor. You know, like, democracies can vote in people and vote for policies that, in fact, destroy democracy. It, there's a great line, democracy kills the thing it theoretically loves all the time, liberty. So they wanted that check. And the idea that I would like more people to get back to is that 
it's more about upholding individual rights that are natural and then also basic civil rights if we are going to engage in the government. That's the newer idea of liberty. The more ancient idea is you get a share in how the power is used. Well, well, but at the same time, you have to consider that that set of rules that you're talking about, yeah, that's good in theory, but the reason that won't work is because everybody has to see each other as an equal, and no, nobody sees each other that way. Well, it's more, think about that phrase on the Declaration, all men are created equal. Mm-hmm. It defies a lot of history. Because you had Maybe. nobles and emperors and well, ruling well, well, castes. But, but you look at it, the day that, that that document was wrote and those great words were spoken out, there were still slaves in this oh, country. Oh, absolutely. And, well, and, they're, and they're Jefferson, telling, what Jefferson wanted to include in the Declaration to get rid of slavery. But he was you know, convinced otherwise because they said we can't get the other people to work around it. Well, it, it was, uh, well, and also the day that was written, there was slavery in this country and slavery all over the rest of the western world mm-hmm. it, i think it's it's uh it's ironic. our history it's ironic very it ironic. Is. well it was an aspiration it was a new and that's why you have to think about that phrase in its historical context because yes there was slavery and it had been the way of the world since well, the beginning of time and also there were i mean the way women in terms of their rights were treated the way the vast it don't just say white men. I mean, what was it initially who could vote? Propertyed white men. It, so there's a lot of different... There were now, zoom- now, now, see, there were ways around that system because no women didn't have voting rights, but women could always speak in their husband's ears. Uh, they could. Well, but, I, I think we should vote this way because this, this, and this. They could, but... And, and you had a lot of women who controlled, who were very knowingly controlling their husbands. But this is why we bring up the context of... When that phrase is written, of, because of that's because a, most a, of let me finish oh, because most of human history the rule has been certain people are given a lot more privilege and power by law in order to well exploit others and not just by law people would often claim what did kings claim that I have a divine right and so what that phrase was was an aspiration wasn't the reality it was an aspiration to say well no actually if you just look at the world yeah some people and i've been talking about this on air for the last few weeks Mm -hmm. i think there are some people are better than others in all sorts of ways it's but it's not by class it's not like oh i have a good last name or i have a certain race or i'm a male as opposed to female i think that stuff's idiotic but i mean obviously some people are better at certain professions. Some people are more intelligent than others. Um, People are obviously different and unequal and all sorts of different abilities. But the idea of all men are created equal is that, okay, when we're claiming the authority of who can rule over others and when we're claiming the basic dignity as endowed by the creator, God Almighty, actually that's given to everybody despite their differences and despite their differences in abilities. And that's the aspiration has driven the nation forward in a beautiful way. Okay. But I think also that aspiration needs to be understood in the form of individual rights. Uh, I want before we hit this break, there's a kind of a dark poem. Like and by dark I mean purple. Like it's uh, a drunkard's poem. 
You know, I've told you about Charles Bukowski, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, man. Charles Bukowski was an interesting fellow. If I haven't told you, yeah, about he was. He, he had a weird childhood, man. He had a rough I'm childhood. Up, I've, I've gotten about a, a third of the way through that book, up to where he's about twelve. Well, and it's interesting to listen to people who went through massive trauma early on and who never really had the good life, so to speak. Bukowski, I think his parents were German immigrants, lived out in California, mm-hmm. and very stringent patriarchal family structure, where the father was always right. Yeah, and, always. But, but his father was very abusive. Like, Beat he, the heck he, out of him and mom. Tell stories that his dad would have him cut the front lawn, cut the grass, and his dad would get down on his like belly. Look, oh no, you missed that blade of grass. Come here. And he'd take his... Uh, a, you know, shaving switchblade like sharpener, like that leather strap, and would beat him. And if Charles Bukowski would appeal to the mother, the mother would say, The father is always right. And Bukowski, for a lot of his life, is this drunk, this vagabond growing up in the Great Depression, going from job to job. He wrote a book about it called Factotum. Most of his writing is somewhat semi autobiographical. Mm-hmm. But he wrote. Uh, what a good it's a dark poem but i think it's uh it's an interesting poem look he told me all those little children dying in the trees and i said what he said look and i went to the window and sure enough there they were hanging in the trees dead and dying and i said what does it mean and he said i don't know it's authorized the next day i got up and they had dogs in the trees hanging dead and dying I turned to my friend and I said, what does it mean? And he said, don't worry about it. It's the way of things. They took a vote. It was decided. The next day it was cats. I don't see how they caught all those cats so fast and hung them in the trees, but they did. The next day it was horses. And that wasn't so good because many bad branches broke. And after bacon and eggs the next day, my friend pulled his pistol on me across the coffee and said, let's go. And we went outside, and here were all these men and women in the trees, most of them dead or dying. And he got the rope ready, and I said, what does it mean? And he said, it's authorized, constitutional. It passed the majority. And he tied my hands behind my back, then opened the noose. I don't know who's going to hang me, he said. When I get done with you, I suppose when it finally works down, there will be just one left, and he'll have to hang himself. Suppose he doesn't, I ask. He has to, he said. It's authorized. I said, well, let's get on with it. The idea is that we were trying to, the rule of most of human history is might makes right. And I claim some higher authority to be able to tell you what to do. And whether it's a king or an emperor or a ruling class or whatever, or a majority even, if there's no check on what that governing authority that power can do okay it can lead to uh perversion and just lead us right back to might makes right now we're always struggling against this fact we're always struggling against the idea that when you look at the world people are different and some people especially if they're pressed their advantages can make the system once again a system of might makes right that's what i mean game of thrones is huge episodes coming out um, this Sunday, and what Game of Thrones is really based on is the War of the Roses, like competing feudal houses in England, and a big civil war, and it's always just the war of all against all. But if you work towards that ideal that wasn't, it was an aspiration, all men are created equal. If you work towards, we're all created equal, and that means we have equal dignity, we have equal liberty, we should be respected not only in the law, 
but work with one another because if you open up your eyes, you can see that that person who's different than me probably has something to offer me and probably has some experience I didn't experience and can be... Um, can be a huge asset to my life and I can be the same for them. Now, no doubt, we also have to keep in mind that people are incredibly limited. Very. Very limited. We're often, all of us, are ignorant of a lot of things in life. And even if we do the best we can and have the best motivations, we can be prone to uh, being a tyrant against others, even if we think we're doing it for their own good. So it's by step by step. It won't happen in one fell swoop. But it will happen eventually if we keep in mind our our basic liberties. And so when I look at, say, Joe Biden's running now and, you know, Donald Trump's running again, I, you know, I'll do the political fight here every once in a while. Trump can run again? I thought. Yeah, he's only. Yeah, yeah, he's running in 2020. Oh, this would be his second term. Yeah. Yeah. And I can talk the, you know, the whole political game, and sometimes it's fun. But I worry sometimes we get lost in the sound and fury of our who's going to vote for whom. And we forget uh, the basic aspirations. And the basic aspirations aren't just for one party. They aren't just for one people. They're for everybody. Not just in this country, but all over the world. And uh, it's not going to be easy. I mean, how do you solve what's going on in China? How do you solve what's going on in Russia or North Korea or Saudi Arabia? In Saudi Arabia, they're crucifying people still. Well, well, but there's a way to sh- be that aspirational place. There's a way that we can uh, continue to say that's our aim, that's our goal. And uh, it won't always be perfect, but if we're marching that direction, uh, one of my favorite artists said, you know, get on the boat. <laughs> Two clues of who that is. Yeah. <laughs> Start rowing in the same direction. But you can't force people on the boat. You just got to ask them, hey, get on the boat. Which I find is very funny. Or build your own. Right. <laughs> well, like we'll, Noah. We'll be right back, folks. Joey Clark. folks but this is a little bizarre okay you know, I don't if somebody really does have health issues say you're a bit rotund portly softy so many words for that fat pudgy pudgy obese 
you know, there, there's all sorts of reasons that could be the case. But here's the quote. Quote, I truly believe that a child cannot consent to being on a diet the same way a child cannot consent to having sex. Yeah, true. I experience diet culture as a form of assault because it impacts the way I experience my body. Well, I, I don't think that's true. I don't think it's uh, correct to say equate pedophilia to, to uh, dieting to you know feeding your child you know grilled chicken and rice instead of letting them drink butter. You're right. <laughs> you know, I mean, big, like, big freaking difference. Excuse me, my kid's a little chubby, um, and that's my fault because, I mean, I don't have children. You have a child. You let them snort sugar. They're going to get fat. Right. Right. And you know how you fix that? You don't let them snort sugar. You give them cocaine like the rest of the world. <laughs> <laughs> no, What's I'm wrong kidding. with you? You give them rice. Right. Let them make, eat good food instead of waking up to well, some crap. Wake up to something healthy, a piece of toast. No, but this woman's name is Sonali Rashatawar. Interesting name and interesting woman. These comments were made in the context of her two-hour speech sponsored by St. Olaf College's Wellness Center, Women's and Gender Studies Department, and Center for Equity and Inclusion on the topic of, quote, radical fat liberation, end quote. The talk included assertions that fitness contributed to the recent Christchurch shooting. You know, the one in New Zealand? Yeah, because they couldn't run away. (laughs) (laughs) No, it didn't. What's wrong with you? I'm sorry. That 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 actually... You know, folks, the judgment of what's funny is when you laugh, and even though you're like, that's wrong, man. That was was pretty good, Seth. Thanks, man. I love you guys. Thanks for letting me hang out. The people... Okay, she said that fitness contributed to the recent Christchurch shooting. My God, that... Number one, if you read what that guy wrote, that dude was all over the map. He's like praising the government of China, and he's like an environmental fascist, like white supremacist. Drugs just, are probably involved in him. I would, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but here, she said that people should challenge the rule of law as well as the authority of the law. Tonight, we're going to start by talking about how to politicize our definition of body image, because oftentimes we actually get stuck thinking of it. From a white supremacist lens, white supremacy happens every day in all these little things. Uh, what? That makes no sense, right? Yeah, I. It, well, it doesn't make sense to me in the sense that okay, well, let's let's hear her out. Let's. She could have changed white supremacist into anything else, right? Because I, I don't know. Like I go to my gym like two, three times a week now, and there's people of all sorts of different races and body types and men and women who are all trying to get fit. And I don't know, I, I think most of our star athletes are African-American or black people, and they're incredibly fit. I don't know, you look at Instagram, you have people, again, of all walks well, of life. I, I, think, I think what she's trying to talk about here is the conformity to be the skinny, skinny mini or the, you know, the buff muscle guy. Uh, you know, like every right. person can be that. Well, she goes. Some, different body types, different people. I, you know, and that, you know, I'm big on freedom. You want to... Do what you want to do. Be a thousand pounds. Go for it. Right. Be tiny. She goes on. We should be critical of the use of science and the production of knowledge to continue promoting this idea that certain bodies are fit, able, and desirable. Is it my fatness that causes my high blood pressure, or is my experience of weight stigma? 
Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it's the margarine. It's the butter. Yeah, I'm going to say it's, it's her weight that causes the high blood pressure. Anyway, she then connected the science suggesting that obesity is unhealthy to Nazism, saying that fat-phobic science is often actually eugenic science. Eugenic science is Nazi science. Well, an early American progressive science, too. Well, because... Hitler and them believed in being physically fit? Well, yeah, you're no, all... No, man, they're a bunch of... Wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah, you're all fighting a war, so yeah, you can't be... <laughs> it, it gets to that absurdity. Trying, it's like... Trying to carry a weapon. Well, it gets to that absurdity, too, of Hitler also drank water and had a dog. It's like, yeah, so you a lot water-drinking dog owners. Yeah, did a lot of crystal meth. <laughs> he never slept, man. She, what do you think he looked like? She that then pivoted to support scientific findings as she pondered intentionally pursuing weight loss, claiming that we're discovering scientifically that it, that that's not possible. This, I, um, I, I'm sorry. She's kind of all over the place, isn't she? Yeah. Um, this conversation about pushing off our own well-being onto the individual is... Yeah. Is these 1980s Reagan era policies that again try to move that structural obligation of a system and the social safety net onto the individual? I'm sorry, lady. Excuse me. I'm getting pissed off now. Nobody in society or the structure of society was telling me that, Joey, you have to be skinny fat and have all sorts of back problems and pain shooting down your arm at the age of 28. Now, Nobody in society told me that I have to now go take up an exercise program and eat a little better in order to achieve something that I wanted. Like, this is nonsense. This idea of blaming society instead of taking up your own cross and bearing your own burden. And if you do have a particular physiology that leads you to be more obese than, say, others, that's your burden to bear. And there's a way to figure it out. And if people are all around the world shaming you because of it... It sucks. But my God, this, uh, it's the Reagan era policies that again try to move a structural obligation of a system and the social safety net onto the individual instead of thinking that there should be social supports that also help me subsidize my food costs. Well, as you were, as you were talking about that, there was a fitness commercial that came on right behind you. If you go and look on, look at most of the magazines that are on the shelf right now, most of them are physically fit people, which is not the microchasm of America, but magazines and media would have you believe it is. That everybody's 5'5", five, five, every woman is 5'5", five, five and only weighs 145. No. God, no. No, and not everybody like needs to look you, the same. If you look now, it's not like that anymore. There's skinny girl magazines, but there are chubby girl magazines, too. You know, what you like, it's your choice. I don't know, I just think... I'm just you, saying, I mean, plus-size models, that's a thing. Well, I think yeah, this is, is, this is. is uh, absurd. Uh, after the lecture, uh, a, a guy named Will Doughty, he's a freshman at that university this woman spoke at, He's lost over 100 pounds during his own personal health journey. The entire speech was very troubling to me, Dottie said. I know from personal experience that health is absolutely connected with weight. When you decide to give up and claim that doctors are lying to you and you're perfect the way you are, all you truly end up with is repressed emotions and an early funeral. I can guarantee that maintaining healthy eating habits will help me live a much longer and healthier life than I was originally on track to have. Your life can only improve if you take responsibility for yourself. And yes, the idea that you should look like 
the I, for instance these runway models that you see I actually don't find them attractive I think it, it's stupid I mean am I going to end up looking like somebody I see say on the wrestling am I going to look like John Cena probably not but the point is not comparing yourself to somebody else the point is compare yourself to who you were yesterday but see that that the difference is that comes a little different for you because like in high school you were a jock. Now imagine not really I played sports what, but uh, I was not a jock. But, but you were kind of in the so- social circle, I, I, you know. It, my high school's weird. I went to a high school with like 50 people in my class. Oh okay, but wow. for for most people, you know, if you're that outcast kid but you happen to be in a group of friends with the good-looking good-looking friend that's right. Buff and stuff. So it's easy to say, no, I don't have to look like him. But guess what? All the girls are going to him. But your comparison is high school. It's not high school. But and also, but, like, but sticking it, it, on, it, it, but sticking on high school. Um, how many times do you go ten year reunion, twenty year reunion? The guy was the really fit jock. Yeah, got all they're the girls. All, they're all. It's <laughs> now the fat dude with the big, you know, yeah, belly, and he's let himself go, and his glory days are in the past. And I look great. And this is also <laughs> this is also the really thing when so. somebody says yeah. like. There are ways where you can... This is a distinction that constantly is not made. Like, you could say to somebody, I think you are going to have health issues because of your weight and your habits, whether it's exercise or whatnot. That is not me saying you're worthless and and you don't have dignity. It's not the same thing. Yeah, but at the same time, a person will take it like, oh, you're calling me fat. No, they're telling them I'm trying to help you if I didn't care. And if you don't want to, go ahead and live your life. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I, and this is a big thing I've been on lately. Like, there's a lot wrong. I've said it a few weeks now. There's a lot wrong with the system, and we can pick it apart. Of course. But if I look at my own life, I first have to say, hmm, yeah, there might be some things in the system that are rigged, and I might have certain privileges that others don't. But if I am not where I want to be, change it. How do I go about changing it? Is it by railing against the system in some However you feel uh, you know, opaque, almost amorphous structure, some blob that you know I grab one part and it moves or whatever? It's like trying to wrestle with a waterbed. No. In most part, most of the things that I have not been able to achieve in my life are things that I have done to myself. Yeah. Things I have, most importantly, not setting a clear goal. So when you set clear goals and you're not trying to keep up with the Joneses, you're just trying to make yourself better, whether it's mentally or physically or spiritually, it's never going to be perfect. The point isn't the destination. It's a journey. It's the journey. Keep on trucking it's the it. process. Keep on trucking. But, but I think, I think uh, Mr. Southernwood would be behind me on this one. Americans have not been programmed, especially our generation and back, have not really been programmed to know how to fail and deal with that. And they need to. K- kids nowadays, they don't know what failure is. Yeah. Because of they better, prote- they're going to learn. But because right? of, they're because learn. of, as 84 mm-hmm. said, uh, damn participation trophies. Or <laughs> yeah, No, he blames Sesame Street. Oh. Hey, hey. Yeah, hey, man. Nothing was wrong with Oscar. Well, mm-hmm. Nothing was wrong with Oscar. He, he lived, lived in a trash can, man. So? What? What if he wanted to live in that trash can? Exactly. Really? Yeah, I'm That's just saying. Right yeah. 
He was green. <laughs> Who else was green? <laughs> Reminded me of a Dave Chappelle joke. <laughs> I live in a trash can. Yeah, ain't nothing wrong with that. The Oscars a grouch. Yeah, uh, you know what happens when people come to my house? They go, wow. <laughs> okay, you know, I'm like, come on, really? You think I'm nasty? I, I'll put it this way. There's a lot of problems in this world. But I would say that most of the stuff, that one thing I just read about obesity, most of the time, it ain't society's fault. It may not even be your fault in the sense that, like, there are definitely things outside of your control. Genetics? Yes, absolutely. There's some people with also, there's just all sorts of different lazy. health issues. But the point is, is that who are, who does anything about it? Sometimes it's got to be you. You got to. Yeah, it's up to you. That's it. Nobody else but you. And you might end up with a tragic end. But at least you try. I, I you have didn't. a tragic view of the world. Not a utopian view. That you can work your hardest. You can do all the right things. And die. You can eat healthy. You can work a job dutifully. Never being late, always on time, staying extra hours. You can look after your family. And get hit by a bus. You, yes. You can look after friends. You could be an inspiration to all sorts of people. And yes, a tragic end might find its way to you. But you never Life know. Life experience has taught me that. Well, it's a game of chance. You never know. And that's why you work your hardest and you hope for the best and you just get at it. And if it happens, hey. And But here's the thing. Not enough people understand that if you accept that, that life is often tragic and easier. full of suffering. And the best you can do is rise up to the tragedy and the suffering and try to find meaning out of it. It's worth it. Yeah, man. Because it gives you a fight instead of giving up. Well, well but at the same time, if you kind of... Slyway grew up in a bubble. I mean, how can you know things like that? You're gonna learn real quick. It's out there, and, and that and that's where you get a lot of your depression from. Mm-hmm. Nobody's so ever my told depression no, out of this. No, nobody's ever told me no in my lifetime. But I graduate college, and the only thing I hear in life now is no, no, you can't have this job. No, you can't have this car. Right. No, you can't have this apartment. And it it weighs. You on better a learn how to get it. But, but if that's you, what you really but, want. But, if, but yeah. if you've never been told no, though, how do you know how to get anything? Right. Because everybody's always been, your parents have always been, yes, here you go. Here, take this. Here, if this is what you want, you can have it. Then what? I, I mean, you just do it. You ask. <laughs> you ask somebody. Yeah, and well, you got to get used to it. That, you got to get used to it. If you've never heard no before, you're going to hear it yeah, at yeah, some yeah. point. And then you're going to end up <laughs> asking somebody for help or asking somebody what to do. Right, and again, it might very well be a tragic end. It, it may it may go to a ditch. It may burst into flames. Yeah, you but might die in the trenches in yeah. World War One, or you may crawl out and just keep on hoofing it. And that, I just I I hear stuff like that, and I try to be charitable. Like I try to think, okay, what has this woman gone through in her life in order to say give that speech, that two-hour speech she gave? But I I find it a bit absurd to suggest that say health science which isn't science is always imperfect that's the best point of science you continue to test the ideas you continue to try to figure out well how does this work well we'll constantly test it no it didn't it wasn't how we thought it was okay we'll we'll change our methods there is i think sometimes people have the pretense of this is what science has proved and well okay could you actually explain it or are you just quoting a scientist well, 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 it's done after a lot of testing of things. 
like a lot of the diets that we use today were tested back in the 60s using guys within this age range. Okay, we want you to eat this certain way. We're going to pay you so you eat this certain way. Mm-hmm. Guys in this age range, just eat what the crap you want. And let's see who lives longer. Right. And that's where they got, oh, well, the American Heart Association says that Cheerios. No, man, the FDA done made that change. Yeah, FDA right. Well, and maybe it's, it's, you know, we shouldn't just accept the central authority's opinion on, say, what's healthy to eat, especially like given that, pyramid. that people have very different genetics. People have very body different types. body types. Yeah. yeah. yeah and I maybe, can eat anything and I'm good. I think the future of health is gonna change. more personalized and more freedom in your choices. It does. It changed over time. <laughs> Has it yet? (laughs) What's the key word in your statement? Has it yet? What are you talking about? I'm older than you. They've been telling me since I was 12. Ain't ain't happened. You know why? Because I work. But I just think that's to compare fitness instructors. And you can, there's all sorts of types of fitness. I'm not saying you got to go do CrossFit or you got to do DDP yoga with me. There's all sorts of ways in order to be, you know, try to work towards health. But to compare that, that health industry to eugenics and Nazis is the sign of somebody well, not well, it's, trying to figure out the situation and the solution to the problem. It's looking at somebody who wants to blame society and change it fundamentally. They have an axe to grind. I think she was talking about the conformity. That oh, everybody yeah. should look like this. Because in Nazi Germany, that was the thing. You know, everybody has to be blonde hair, blue eyes. Except for Adolf. You know, know, perfect, perfect (laughs) body type. You know, that that was their whole thing. And they wanted the world to look like that. Yeah, and it's just, I don't know. I I find it, uh, it's just another sign of, I, I have no time for sort of these sweeping generalizations of how much society has you down. Because even if it's true, what are you going to do about it? And maybe those sweeping generalizations are actually making the obstacles even worse. Like if if like I remember, and it goes back to it reminds me of I was reading I was in some stupid feminist gender and politics class, and reading some writer talking about free will is mostly this mythical idea of the patriarchy. And my question to the teacher, which she could not answer very well, if if that is the case, teach. Then how did we ever have feminists? <laughs> if free will's just mythical, yeah, you, you know, just, you just dropped the mic at that moment. Just. If if people are just where they, in, in some ways, I have to say that sometimes people are taking on, they're internalizing the language of the system that they rail against, and instead, it's more about. Finding common humanity, which is very, it's not easy, but it's a good goal, and taking personal responsibility. I mean, I, I, you know, that thing I said earlier, you can do almost everything right in life, and then you might end up with brain cancer and die in your 50s. That's the case of my mother. So, you know, life isn't fair. Life is often tragic. But it doesn't mean you stop, and it doesn't mean you constantly blame things outside of your control. It means you take up your burden, for lack of a better metaphor. You take up your cross, and you march onward. And what come, well, what comes, what may. Yeah, you got that right. Well, well, at the same time, like I said, we're of a different generation. Yeah. You know, we were taught to, you know, accept things, to try to be strong. You, you know, sound this- like you're like sixty. <laughs> I'm serious. But you're not. 
No, I'm, I'm not. serious. I'm, I'm not. No. But at the same time, I didn't expect time. to get that heat, and I'm ready for an entertainment weekend, and we're out of time, gentlemen. Okay, okay. Thanks, well, man. It's been cool, man. Appreciate y'all. Appreciate y'all listening. I'll be back on Monday. Jimmy Clark.